Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm every day I'm every day I'm hustling. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Hustle Points Podcast. I am your chief of transactions, Rudy St. Clair. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at MBA underscore Rudy, where you can tell me I don't know basketball. And also, be sure to check out the link in the description to join the Bucket Discord server. It is trade season, baby. Also known as the middle third of the NBA season. We had a quite the eventful night on Twitter on the eve of trade season. Thank you very much, Woj. And we also had a fairly eventful pre-trade season trade. Yeah, pre-trade season trade. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) And we're also going to be looking ahead as far as potential trades that might go down this season. But first, we're going to get into the pre-trade season trades. The Bucks, the Cavs, and the Wizards all had a nice little three-team deal last week where basically George Hill went to Milwaukee Milwaukee sent a heavily protected pick to Cleveland, and Cleveland, in exchange, got Matthew Delnadova, welcome back, and John Henson, who's out for the remainder of the year. Uh, Also, you might be wondering where Washington is in this deal. Well, that's just because they sort of squeezed into the the deal right there at the very end. It was actually reported as a two-team deal, and as soon as that report came out, another report came out saying, hold up, hold up, wait. The Wizards want to get in on this too, and so they did. They swapped second-round picks with Cleveland in exchange for sending Jason Smith to Milwaukee and getting Sam Decker in return. Saves them a little bit of money. Really not that important in the grand scheme of things. I mean, it's important if you care deeply about the pocketbooks of the Washington Wizards front office and ownership. Uh, But, you know, most fans don't. So, we're going to talk about basketball here. George Hill has been excellent for the Bucks for the past week, and frankly, I am surprised that more people aren't talking about it. Uh, that has a lot to do with why I care so much about revisiting this trade a week later. I really shouldn't say revisiting this trade because we, me and you, Rudy and the listener, have not visited this ourselves. But uh, George Hill has been very good for the Bucks, and Delnadova looks good in his Cleveland Cavaliers uniform, doing his hustling thing, doing his irritating thing, and... Sam Decker is in Washington. But for Milwaukee, this is mostly about saving money this upcoming offseason. In 2019-2020, they will have enough space under the cap and the luxury tax to get Chris Middleton without going under the luxury tax. And that is big because Chris Middleton is good. And I would like to think that Milwaukee is prioritizing re-signing him. Um... If he doesn't re-sign in Milwaukee, he's likely to go to a destination that is willing to pay him that sort of money. For the Cavaliers, this really demonstrates their willingness to take on bad contracts in exchange to aid in their tank and gather draft picks. Uh, So it was George Hill out that week. Shortly before that, we had Korver going to the Jazz in exchange for Alec Burks, who you might have already forgotten existed, unless you're a Jazz fan, which I'm sorry, Jazz fans, but the rest of us don't really know a lot about Alec Burks. I know that at one point he was better than Rodney Hood, and at one point Rodney Hood was better than Devin Booker, so 
if you're Cleveland, you can use that to rationalize being very excited about Alec Burks, even though he is a pretty mm, average wing player. I, I would say he's really nothing terribly remarkable. He used to shoot a lot more than he does now, but ever since he broke his leg, he has not quite been the same. But he's been looking pretty good in Cleveland for a guy in a Cleveland uniform. So first it was Kyle Korver, who again is on the Jazz, and then it was George Hill to Milwaukee. Who's next? That's that's my question. Who is next? Um, I would say it's either going to be one of the three of the bigger name Cleveland Cavaliers, the guys who are on the championship squad. We got J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson, and Kevin Love. Now, Kevin Love, obviously the most valuable piece there. The Cavaliers could get the most in return in exchange for Kevin Love, and I would expect him to go to a team that is really going for it and not trying to rebuild, because a guy like Kevin Love just doesn't do a lot to help you rebuild. He's too good. Uh, Tristan Thompson is really neither here nor there. He's uh, He used to hustle a lot harder than he does now. I, I liked him when he was fresh in the league, but something tells me, and he he would probably be offended by this if you know I was directly communicating to Tristan Thompson here, but something tells me that when he won a championship, he sort of found some contentment, because ever since then, he hasn't really quite been the same player. And uh, J.R. Smith, I mean, what's he worth? Who wants J.R. Smith for two-thirds of a season for $14 million over much more tradable wings that you could acquire for a much lower price with a similar value on the basketball floor? Uh, maybe the asking price for J.R. Smith will be so low that they can pull off just swapping picks similar to how they did with Sam Decker and Washington. You know, just do a little bit of, a little bit of pick swappage and just get JR out of there. Get him get him on a team where he can give us some swaggy P type moments. But back to the George Hill trade. I think people should be talking about this a little bit more, especially now that the dust has sort of settled from it and we've had a little bit of basketball to watch with these new rosters. And George Hill looks really good. Matthew Delandova looks like Matthew Delandova. And Sam Decker looks like Sam Decker. Um but the real interesting part of this trade is the protections on the draft pick which Milwaukee sent to Cleveland. This was the real prize of the trade if you're a Cleveland Cavaliers fan because, let's face it, George Hill was not exactly getting a good reputation while he was playing in Cleveland, and so now he's sort of revitalized that on a team that can appreciate his skill set. That is the Milwaukee Bucks, and in exchange for that, the Cleveland Cavaliers get this heavily protected first-round pick. Uh, now, it could potentially dissolve into two second-round picks, but I see that as very unlikely, and let me explain to you why. The pick, at its earliest, can be claimed by Cleveland in 2021, and that is the year which Giannis enters free agency. In 2021, it is protected 1-14, through 14, so the draft lottery. So, if in Yanni's contract year, the Bucks miss the playoffs, then the Bucks can keep their pick. But I, I don't foresee that happening. Uh, especially I mean unless there's injury, but let's just hope that never we never hope for injuries on this podcast, okay? We're we're a clean clean cut family branded podcast who only drops the occasional curse word 
and we don't root for injuries. So, assuming all goes well, I don't think that the Bucks are going to miss the playoffs in 2021. I know that's far away, but they have Yanni locked up through then, and pending a trade, again, or injury, which we do not hope for, they're probably going to make the playoffs. So, pending a disaster, the Cavs are almost definitely going to get this pick in 2021, uh, but in 2022... And 2023, it is protected 1 through 10. In 2023, they slapped on an extra 25 through 30 protection. And if somehow they don't get the pick by then, it is 1 through 8 in 2024. And if they don't get the pick by then, then Cleveland gets two second round picks in 2025. The maximum length of time away in which you can trade for draft picks. Seven years. So... What does this trade mean? I would say it's mostly about security during the Yanni era. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is a top-tier superstar, and when you have one of those guys on your team, you are obligated to go for it. Uh, there's been many moments this season where Milwaukee looked like a top-tier team who has a real shot at at least making the finals. Coach Bud has him playing that five-out spread style of basketball where the paint is just wide open for Yanni. You got Brooke Lopez bombing away from the perimeter a hundred times a game. And yeah, the, the Bucks are just really good. So honestly, it only makes sense for them to sacrifice a little bit of their future for the now. And on the Cavalier side of things, it's all about the tank. But the minutia here is the Washington Wizards. They basically trade a goofy seven-foot dad in Jason Smith for Sam Decker, who is like the cheaper, younger Chandler Parsons. Uh, well, I guess that's not really a fair comparison. Nah, it's not. I just It's just fun to say. I, I want to bring up Chandler Parsons as much as I can, frankly, uh, just because people forget Chandler Parsons exists. Unless you're a Memphis fan like me, then you never forget that Chandler Parsons exists because he's got $25 million on your team's books. But I digress. Uh, this has been a pretty good trade. Three teams involved. It was exciting. It helped everyone out. The Wizards saved a little bit of money. Um, yeah, it's, it's nothing terribly special, but it's a good trade for everyone involved. Now, let's get into some spicy... NBA drama. Dare I say that we have an NBA drama alert on our hands. Shout out to ASAP Loaf. Uh, if you don't want to do the NBA drama alerts anymore, I will gladly take over and use that name because I think it's a good one. So, NBA drama alert. The Bulls. That's it. Just the Bulls. Just the Bulls existing for the past week has been the most dramatic thing in the NBA probably since, I don't know, a month ago. But, Fred Hoiberg got fired. Followed by the worst Bulls loss ever. I think it was the second game under new head coach Jim Boylan. Uh, Jim Boylan apparently is Coach Carter, but in basketball real-life form. <laughs> Not basketball fictional form. This is a real-life hard-ass that we're dealing with here who wants to run his guys into the ground and discipline them with exercise instead of just teaching them strategies and having a certain level of mutual respect as everyone in the association is a grown adult and not a child who you can berate and discipline with physical exercise. Uh, so that's what's been happening in Chicago. Uh, but then, but then, after just a few hard practices and a humongous loss, 
there was a plan in place for the coach, Jim Boylan, to implement a two and a half hour practice into their schedule right after the the back to back and the worst loss in Bulls history. Basically again punishing the players with exercise. Uh this might sound normal if you hoop and you're in high school or or if you've hooped professionally not professionally but recreationally um or competitively in any way. But in the NBA this is not normal. Treating treating guys as less than when you're the head coach does not fly. This is a player's league. The head coach is the most expendable position probably in the whole association. I mean, maybe the water boy has a little bit less security or the guys who wipe the sweat off the floor during the games, maybe they have a little bit less job security than the head coach. But other than those two jobs, which I'm pretty sure are arena jobs anyway, uh, not not necessarily team jobs, but other than those two, the head coach is very expendable. So you don't get to behave like this. Unless you're Jim Boylan, apparently, because they went ahead and just gave him the head coaching job for the next one and two-thirds seasons. Uh, they essentially told him that he's secure, not just through this season, but through next. So Boylan is the man, but he is going to really hurt that team. <laughs> he's he's already been hurting the team a lot, and... It's it looks like it's just all downhill from here from Chicago. I'm sorry, but Chicago is a mess. Chicago is an absolute mess. It's been so dramatic. Uh, with this practice being scheduled after the back-to-back, the players were planning on boycotting and not showing up, but instead they decided to come on time for the scheduled practice, and instead of practicing, they had a players-only meeting, after which it was concluded, they brought in the coaching staff and brought them into the meeting and let them know how they felt. Uh, we don't really know what was said during that meeting, but I think it's safe to assume that it was something along the lines of, Hey coach, we've all just discussed it, and we agree that we're tired of this BS. Please stop doing this. And so, uh, I won't say in retaliation per se... Uh, but the next step in the Bulls drama was Jabari Parker getting benched. And when I say benched, I mean benched. Not just minutes restricted, not just uh, focused only on certain matchups like Jim Boylan would like to have you believe according to his comments to the press. But no, he, he has been benched. The Chicago Sun, the most high-paid player on the roster, doesn't play. And so he is a very interesting target for teams looking to pick up some quick offense, looking to pick up a big expiring contract, and looking to pull a flyer on a guy who used to be considered the next up, the the next big thing. Him and Wiggins were, way back in the day, like coveted prospects, not even just for their class, but in general even relative to years past. People were talking like Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker were going to change the game by themselves. But now Jabari's getting benched and Wiggins is a meme for a bad player. Even though he's totally not, Wiggins is absolutely a serviceable NBA player. And if he didn't have that level of hype behind him and a max deal that Thibodeau gave him, I, I think people would be a lot less judgmental of Andrew Wiggins. But... That brings me to the top three, or five, depending on how you interpret this, destinations 
for Jabari Parker. Now, three qualifiers for a good team for Jabari Parker to get traded to. Uh, number one, they need to have a matching big and expiring contract. Um, or just the money to work it out. Number two, they need to have a need for scoring because that is what Jabari Parker is bringing you. He's not going to bring you too many hustle points. He's not going to set hard screens. He's not going to play defense. He's super not going to play defense, which is almost definitely the ultimate reason, in my opinion, that Boylan decided to bench him is because of his outwardly non-defensive attitude about his bad defense. <laughs> and so... As a team, if you're trading for Jabari, you need to have a need for scoring, and you have to have a good team defense, number three, to compensate for Jabari's poor defense. So, number one, personal bias coming into play here, fair warning, is the Memphis Grizzlies. The trade that I worked out on the trade machine is Jabari Parker and Felicio for Parsons and J. Michael Green. Uh... Parsons is on a two-year, $50 million deal, so he's getting about $25 million for each of the next two seasons, meaning that, excuse me, this season and next season, while Jabari is on a $20 million expiring deal with a team option for another $20 million next season. So, similar contract there. This would enable the Grizzlies to say goodbye to Chandler Parsons and get rid of that bad contract and in exchange, take a longer term, uh, I won't say worse, but for the caliber of player, well, no, it's definitely not worse, because Parsons is just making so much money for so little production that Cristiano Felicio, even being a mediocre player, is still a better deal at 7 or $8 million for the next two and a half seasons uh, than Chandler Parsons. So... Jabari and Felicio for Parsons and Green. Uh, you, from the Bulls side of things, you get J. Michael Green in exchange for Jabari Parker and a guy you don't really like anyway who's going to do everything Jabari Parker didn't do. And for Memphis, this gives even more room for Jaron Jackson Jr. to really flourish in the starting lineup uh, because I don't think that J.B. Bickerstaff is going to let a guy like Jabari Parker who doesn't play any defense start. So Jabari Parker would be the leading bench scorer in Memphis. Uh, he's a stretch four in today's game, but when he came into the league, people thought of him as like a, a big three, uh, a big small forward. Uh, so maybe he can play a little bit of the wing position uh, after we eventually move on from Marshawn Brooks and Wayne Selden, even though we're not, even though we're not, we'll get a little bit more into that later. If you know what I'm talking about already, then you know about the NBA drama from last night, um, but I digress. Number two is Dallas. The Mavericks have Wes Matthews, who has never quite been the same since he got injured, and Jabari has about the same amount of money on his deal as Wes. Uh, the Mavericks would be taking on just a couple million more dollars in salary, so wouldn't really be that big of a deal. Their contracts line up nicely. However, the positional problems for the Mavericks uh, leave them short on the wing, uh, especially if they get rid of Wes Matthews. And so I think they would have to get a third team involved in this trade to make it happen. And number three is the Charlotte Hornets, because all they would have to do is give up Bismack Biombo in order to make it possible 
for it to happen. Uh, and also, Jabari Parker really just feels like someone Michael Jordan would, would go after. Um, this That seems like a Michael Jordan move. I, I'm sorry. I'm apologizing to a lot of fan bases tonight. But I'm sorry, Hornets fans. Your owner is the type of guy to trade for Jabari Parker. And you can just cross your fingers and hope that if he does, that he's not going to give up a first-round pick. And if he does give up a first-round pick, let's hope it's heavily, heavily protected and possibly further out in the future than we can even think about. Uh, Honorable mentions are the Lakers, uh, just because KCP and some other pieces would make for an interesting move for Jabari Parker to be another interesting rental. Uh, I believe the trade I worked out exactly. I don't have it written down here for whatever reason, but it was KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and Michael Beasley in exchange for uh, Chicago's Jabari Parker. However, KCP would need to approve this trade, and because of all the drama, I don't think there's any way that he wants to go to Chicago. So, again, you'd probably need to get a third team involved here. And the other honorable mention is Houston. The trade I have worked out is Brandon Knight and Carmelo Anthony. Haven't heard that name in a while, have you? Yeah, he's still on the roster. For those of you who forgot, he never got waived. He's just not with the team. He's on JR status. Uh, So Brandon Knight and Carmelo Anthony for Jabari. Maybe a draft pick is thrown in there. uh, Just because Houston was so willing to throw draft picks at Jimmy Butler. I imagine they might be willing to give up one distant future draft pick just to fill out that Ryan Anderson-sized hole in the roster where Marquise Chris was supposed to fit in somehow. I don't know what they thought they were doing. I guess it just broke Ryan Anderson's contract up into two smaller, more movable pieces, but it just hasn't worked out for this Houston Rockets team so far. It's just it's hard for me to believe that Houston doesn't even look like a playoff team right now. I mean, when Harden goes off for a 50-point triple-double, of course they look like a playoff team, but Chris Paul isn't playing up to his standards. They don't have the switchable wings that they had last year in Mbamute and Ariza, and Carmelo Anthony stunk. Brandon Knight, you know, he, he gets hurt all the time and he stinks. Marquise Chris gets played off the floor every time he steps on it. So I just, I don't know what the Rockets should do other than make a bold move like this. That's why they're willing to go all in for... Jimmy Butler, but for whatever reason, probably Tom Thibodeau-related reasons, the Timberwolves didn't want to take that four first-round picks for Jimmy. So maybe one of those four can go towards Jabari instead. But yes, so that is the whole Bulls drama alert. That is my top three or five trade destinations for Jabari Parker. And now it's time for us to get into the drama that ensued last night on NBA Twitter. Thank you, Adrian Wojnarowski, for making it this way. Because, oh man, was it fun. Uh, Nearly 24 hours ago, Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted, The Washington Wizards are in advanced talks on a deal to acquire Phoenix forward Trevor Ariza. League sources tell ESPN. Teams trying to finalize a multi-team trade tonight. Meaning at midnight, December 15th, as soon as it could possibly happen. He continues, as part of the three-team deal, nearing completion, mind you, remind you that this was near completion, Ariza to the Wizards, Kelly Oubre to the Memphis Grizzlies, and Austin Rivers with two Grizzlies role players, remember that, 
He's, he called them Grizzlies role players to the Suns. League sources tell ESPN. He goes on to say that Washington, Phoenix, and Memphis have agreed in principle on a deal that will also include Wayne Selden and Dylan Brooks headed to the Suns and a 2020 second round pick and a conditional 2019 Washington pick. League sources tell ESPN. Now, immediately afterwards, I mean less than 30 seconds afterwards, Woj tweets clarification, Marshawn Brooks on his way to the Suns. Not Dylan. He tweets again, clarify, Marshawn Brooks, not Dylan. Uh, let me interject here into this session of me reading tweets to you, and let me say that Dylan Brooks is way better than Marshawn Brooks. So this is a huge discrepancy. Marshawn Brooks wasn't even in the league and was just a big-time scorer overseas until he got another chance last season with the Grizz. And Dylan Brooks is a young up-and-coming sophomore who I personally like a lot. He's one of the better wings the Grizzlies have seen on their teams in a long time. So, Woj continues, Sources with Zach Lowe deal in jeopardy over which Brooks, Marshawn or Dylan, the Suns believed it was getting in the trade. Memphis will not put Dylan Brooks in the trade, sources said. Deals suddenly in peril. Memphis and Phoenix didn't communicate directly on the trade, using Washington as a conduit in coordinating the three-team deal. Sources tell Zach Lowe and me, Adrian Wojnarowski, Grizzlies believe they were trading Marshawn, but somehow Suns believed it was Dylan. The deal is dead. League sources tells ESPN. <laughs> Just, the deal is dead. <laughs> Just hear the, the bells of the church ring as the funeral ensues. <laughs> Memphis Phoenix finally talked directly. Remember that. Realize there was confusion on which Brooks was in the deal, and Memphis refuses to include Marshawn over Dylan. League source tells ESPN, Grizzlies are out. To su- so Suns... <laughs> So Suns Wizards would need a third team to finalize this deal. <laughs> now, you may have noticed that I said Marshawn over Dylan, and that's because that is what Woj tweeted. <laughs> he then followed that up with yet another correction. Of course, I've got my Brooks flipped now. Memphis wouldn't put Dylan in the deal. Grizzlies wanted Marshawn in the deal. <laughs> he, th- he then tweets out the the article he drafted up right quick. ESPN story on... Ellipses. Mayhem. <laughs> uh, I feel like calling it mayhem is a little bit too dismissive because it is mayhem, but I can't help but feel like Woj had a had a hand in this. You know, I, I heard on the Rob Perez's live stream immediately afterwards that he's of the opinion that, you know, before the Twitter age of the NBA, this would be just a story that we heard about what might have happened, you know, 10 years down the road from some dude who's retired or some front office exec who's no longer with the team just sitting down and doing an interview. But because we're in the Twitter era now, we we get these type of stories as they unfold. Uh, but I would like to believe that James Jones, you know, the GM of the Suns, looked at his phone and saw Woj tweeting about how they're getting Marshawn and not Dylan and said, whoa, 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 wait just a minute, and got on the phone with Washington sorted everything out. So, after all of that drama over not being able to get their Brooks in a row, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski tweets out, Memphis GM Chris Wallace tells ESPN, 
Robert Perra did not have any conversation with Sun's owner, Robert Sarver, about the reported three-way trade. Our front office also didn't have any conversation with Phoenix regarding a three-team trade prior to it leaking during our game tonight. We were floored to learn the reports involving Dylan Brooks in the trade. We never discussed Dylan as part of this trade with Washington, which was the only team we spoke to concerning this proposed deal. So as soon as Adrian Wojnarowski reports that Memphis and Phoenix spoke to each other and cleared the air, Memphis gets on the phone and talks to Adrian and says, oh, no, we didn't. We did not talk to them. This is, this is all Washington or Phoenix's fault. We communicated Marshawn. Someone else communicated Dylan. We're not doing Dylan. And we told Washington we ain't doing Dylan. So, moving on. Woj continues saying, Washington and Phoenix are still talking, trying to find a way to negotiate a new trade centered on Trevor Ariza. And guess what? They did indeed complete the trade. Uh, without a third team, um, it was, in fact, just a simple swap of Kelly Oubre and Austin Rivers for Trevor Ariza. Um... Man, it was, it was funny. It was really funny to see un, unfold in real time just people legitimately being confused about which, which wing player named Brooks they were getting. I, I mean, it's, I can't remember the last time something happened like this. and I, I really don't. I've never seen anything like this. So it was very interesting to say the least. Uh, I would like to make a little bit of a conspiracy theory. Just a little one. You know, NBA conspiracy theories are are relatively harmless, you know, unlike the conspiracy theories that some NBA players may or may not joke about, um, which I will not mention on this podcast because I will not perpetuate any conspiracy theories. No, no none of that here. We like to keep it intellectually honest on this podcast, um, except NBA conspiracy theories. So my little conspiracy theory on this whole thing is that James Jones kind of just threw a monkey in the barrel, see what happens. Just said Brooks a bunch and hoped that they were getting Dylan Brooks. Uh, sort of a bait and switch for Washington, making Washington feel like the responsible party and ultimately using that as a negotiating tactic into getting them the package that they really wanted, which was Austin Rivers and Kelly Oubre. I imagine that Washington would say no to that at first, but then after all the mayhem... They were willing to compromise and just take this trade. Uh, Kelly Oubre on the Grizz would have been so nice. I was very happy to learn that Kelly Oubre was on the Wizards, even though Kelly Oubre is not that good yet. He, he has lots of upside, but he's incredibly inconsistent and has been accused of being a ball hog. So he could mature and grow and be a better player someday for sure, and he would have been one of the more exciting wing prospects to come through Memphis in a long time. Um, I tweeted out, Memphis's never-ending search for a wing, or for a stud at the wing position continues. <laughs> and then the trade fell through because of the Brooks Travaganza. Or, uh, <laughs> you know, there was, there was uh, lots, of, lots of good names, lots of good puns involving this whole Brooks ordeal in that Rob Perez live stream, or world, at World Wide Wob, if you... Uh, if you don't follow that account and you're an NBA fan, uh, Rob Perez is a very entertaining fellow. Highly recommend you give him the follow. Uh, but in the live stream, lots of people were suggesting really good names for this whole ordeal. Uh, 
My my favorite was Ain't No Such Thing as Halfway Brooks. <laughs> um, even Woj made a joke about it, saying that another GM, unrelated to this trade, told him that if they really needed to throw in a Brooks on the deal, that maybe they could throw in Scott Brooks. It was also on the night where Russell Westbrook uh, got angry uh, visibly on the floor and also made a little bit of Twitter news, but, you know, that's not really news. Man, this is... There's one thing that makes me really love the NBA is nights like these where you get really big highs and really really low lows, but ultimately it doesn't matter that much because it all happened over the course of two hours and it's shoulda, coulda, wouldas and drama, mystery, mischief. It's the best league in the world, and that's why I call it the Association with a capital A. You know, it's it's the best. But now it is time for everybody's favorite segment it is seven seconds or less if you don't know this is the segment where i read you seven stories and react to them uh or not the whole story but the headline the gist the uh you know the one sentence version of the story in the league that maybe i didn't really feel like deserved a whole spiel about and just give you a little little quick dose of what I think on a little story, and I do it seven times in 45 seconds, giving me slightly less than seven seconds each time to read and react to these stories. Number seven is usually something a little bit bold. Uh, So, without any further ado, here we go. Miles Turner gives opposing fans the finger and fines $15,000. Blocks are the basketball equivalent of the finger, and Miles sees the league in those, so yeah. Lakers reportedly holding on to assets in hope of signing AD. Uh, wasn't this obvious after they signed the meme team? Kevin Knox, second team to score 25 and get 15 rebounds, uh, joins LeBron. Kevin Knox is just lost in the tank. Ron Baker was cut for Alonzo Trier. RIP Ron Baker, you hustled all the way to the bank. The Suns reportedly have zero interest in Markel Fultz. The Sixers should probably just hold on to him until the summer. The Nuggets signed Swaggy P. Uh, Swaggy is going to make 29 teams look foolish for not signing him. And bold number seven, the Clippers want Kawhi and Durant this summer, and it is not a pipe dream. That's right. The Clippers are not delusional in my opinion, uh, for wanting and actively seeking out both Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant. So that will be very exciting to watch in the future once this season is over. Um, Now, this is normally where I would thank you for listening and just end the show, say goodbye, and let Ace Hood play us out. Uh, But if you haven't noticed... This is the first, I will say, traditional style episode of Hustle Points in about a month. About a month. And during that time, it's been a very turbulent little period in my life. I don't want to go too much into detail about it. But just trust me when I say it's been difficult for me personally uh, for these past four weeks or so. And so I would like to first of all say thank you to those of you who are patient with me and still follow this even after the uh, slight brief period of non-content. I know I put out that interview with Brad uh, talking about his Lakers fandom and other things. Uh, if you would like to hear a episode of Hustle Points where I have a co-host, please go listen to that. It's a, it's a good one. It's fun. 
Um, Brad's a lifelong friend of mine is one of the many people who provided the support that I that I needed during that period of my life. Um, but that period's over now. I, I feel much better. Uh, right now I'm not recording in my closet, but I'm recording in my in-law's closet. Um, so if it sounds different in here, uh, let me know, I guess. Uh, but I'll be back to to my my good old closet that I normally record into and have the means to produce high-quality, fun episodes of Hustle Points for you all. Um, but, again, I appreciate the patience, the support, and everything else that the listeners do for me. Um, it really helps me in more ways than one. I think I already said that? Maybe? Um, anyways, thank you, and goodbye. <laughs>